You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey y'all, it's Bridget here. Julie and I sat down with Chef Stefan Duran. Chef Duran is the founder and president of the Haitian Cultural Alliance, co-captain of Haiti's cultural team, and producer of Haiti's Food and Spirit Festival. Chef Stefan shares his roots that brought him to the love and respect of the culture and food of the Haitian people to which he was born, and his passion to uplift future chefs in his community. So grab yourself a Maker's Mark cocktail and enjoy the show. Chef Stefan, welcome to Served Up. Julie and I are honored and very happy to have you on the show today. Well, hello, Julie and Bridget. Thank you for having me. I am as, as excited as I can be. I've been looking forward to this conversation. So have we. We're so happy that I think, where did we first meet? I think it was on Clubhouse, right? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, 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 oh. Well, a couple months ago, I believe. Yeah, a few months ago. That's when Clubhouse really kicked off. And I think everybody was crazy on it. Are you still as active on there? Um, May, um, well, the month of May for me is a very busy month. Um, it's Haitian Heritage Month. So um, I've been really focused on uh, a couple of different activities that, that uh, I curated during the month. Um, really pushing the envelope on uh, showcasing Haitian cuisine, uh, Haitian gastronomy, highlighting, um, you know, uh, Haitian chefs in the food space, uh, both both Haitian chefs and, and beverage professionals in the food and beverage space. So, you know, we've been very busy during the month of May. So I, I sort of took a break from Clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen your activity all over social media, and we want to hear all about it. Absolutely. Um, you know, again, May is Haitian Heritage Month. Um, it's an important month for uh, Haitians, especially in the diaspora um, in particular. Um, we also celebrate uh, the 18th of May, which is the birth of our flag. And um, so I took on um, developing some activities uh, in the month of May, and, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, because, you know, we're still in COVID. Um, normally, I produce Taste of Haiti in Miami and Orlando, which is a, a in-person festival, which draws close to 10,000 people in the city of North Miami. Um, we couldn't get that done this year. And so what I decided to do is to, to try some other avenues in partnership with the Haitian embassy in the in Washington DC we launched the very first um taste of Haiti uh it's called Mojilakai which is a uh, food from home um virtual classes 
We had seven chefs for seven days. I was the very first chef who launched the, 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 the week. And I was cooking actually at the Haitian embassy in DC because the next day, the 17th, I was going to be uh, cooking for an official dinner for, for the ambassador and the uh, consulate corps. Um, so everybody, every consul uh, in the United States uh, came, to, came to DC for that celebration. So I, ha I had to cook for them. So I ended up doing two events back to back in DC. Um, and then we also launched for the first time Haitian Restaurant Week, um, mm. which is a partnership between a couple of us in the professional, in, in, the, in the Haitian food world. We did it nationwide. So we highlighted restaurants from Miami, Orlando, um, Atlanta, New York, um, so pretty much, pretty much, pretty much the, the many cities where you can find a number of Haitian restaurants. So that, that was, that was pretty much the gist of it. And then at the end of the month, uh, in Orlando, I, we did, uh, ultimate flavors of Haiti, um, which is a chef showcase event, very first in-person event, um, with five chefs, um, who did some amazing food. Uh, the event was was awesome. Um, there was also a curated dinner that we did on the 30th, which is Haitian Mother's Day. So Mother's Day is celebrated in Haiti and in France at the end of the month, the last Sunday of the month instead of the first Sunday of the month. So we had a curated dinner there too. Um, so lots and lots of activities, lots and lots of activities. And then, you know, we, we leave Haitian heritage and we fall right into Caribbean Heritage Month. So I was currently in New York. I am helping Chef Todd Richards, who's an amazing chef in Atlanta with multiple restaurants, um, do some research on his second cookbook. His, his first cookbook, Soul, was nominated for a number of awards. And um, so I was in New York helping him out do some research on Pan-African cuisine and ended up doing an event that same week at... Uh, uh, a friend who uh, who I've worked with in the past, um, his restaurant, uh, Rebel, who's in Manhattan. He also has a restaurant in New Jersey, which is called First Republic, both Haitian inspired. So I did an event with them there too. You know, you are such um, an amazing ambassador for the Haitian cuisine, culture, the livelihood, all of it. Can you take us back to the beginning, Chef? And really tell us um, what inspired you to, to get into the culinary world and to really be that person to represent this beautiful cuisine. Well, you know, first, I'm very humble to be able to have that opportunity, to be able to have the opportunity to be an ambassador for, for, for Haitian cuisine. You know, I, I'm I'm very I'm very humbled about that, and um, you know, it's 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 I think it's an important. I, I say this all the time. So food is is a component that brings people together, and the day and when you break bread with people, um, this is when you are able to share um, so many things about you, about about your culture, about your family, about um, all these different things. Having grown up in Haiti. And um, you know, and gotten into the in the culinary field, but really, I didn't get into 
promoting Haiti until much later in my career, my sort of my second tier, if you will. My first 10 years uh, were spent cooking in the military and corporate in corporate uh, corporate dining uh, in the United States. And it wasn't really until uh, I went back in, to Haiti in 2009 that I really started to dive in and really understanding not only the culture that I was from, but understanding the food, understanding the richness of the food. Um, Haiti is, is a melting pot. Now you want to talk about the U.S. being a melting pot, which is which is which is the reason where you know so many different cultures have come to the U.S. and and has uh, helped define the tapestry of of what the United States is about. Um, Haiti was receiving a number of various cultures, people who were fleeing uh, World War II, people who were fleeing fleeing prosecution, um, people who were not welcome in their own in their own country. And Haiti was gladly receiving them uh, post-1804, which is when uh, Haiti was uh, uh, proclaimed the first, the first Black Republic in the Western world. So we have influences not only from colonization, starting with the Spaniards, the French, um, even the English, and then the Americans in, 19, in, in the 1900s. But we also have cultures from Italy, from Syria, from Lebanon, so many different cultures who've just uh, migrated to the island. So when you put all these uh, cultures together and specifically their foodways, you end up with something absolutely amazing. And then, and then the center of it all is, is the African and the Taino influence. So uh, you, take, you take everything that Africa has brought to the new world and then you put that together with everybody else, you get an amazing pot of food. <laughs> what are some of your favorite cuisine? Uh, you know, I mean, your favorite dishes from the Haitian cuisine. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, you know, I think, I think food has been, has been one of the things that has marked my youth. Um, when I think about amazing, you know, uh, big memories. When I think about wonderful memories of my, of me growing up, I can say that 70% is around food. So my, my maternal grandmother, amazing cook and Sunday dinners at my house was an affair. And what I mean by that is you had the, the, the immediate family. So my, my, my mother's sisters, and then you had uncles and aunts and cousins and everybody just uh, seemed to, to have a meeting there every Sunday. So when my grandmother cooked, it was a, it was a huge affair. And then my, my, mater my paternal grandmother is also an amazing cook. And when I spent my summers with her in New York, I remember spending a lot of time sitting at the, at the kitchen table, just watching her put together food. So you know, one of my favorite dishes of hers is funny thing is tuna casserole. And she made one of the most amazing tuna casserole on, on planet earth. I mean, uh, you know, she used cream of chicken, uh, Campbell, uh, Campbell soup. And she mixed that up with, with the tuna and vegetables and put that over white rice and the cheese on top. I mean, listen, when I make tuna casserole, it's for a whole week. I get to savor that and, and remember those moments, 
you know, every time I, every time I make this dish. I but, love that you just said tuna casserole. That's also <laughs> what that's also one of my mother, Grandma Nancy's Grandma Diva. We like to call her. It's also one of her specialties. And it brought me right back to my childhood when you said that. Oh, ab- oh absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, and, and, the, and, you know, I would watch her make that dish and she would make it every time she would make it the exact same way. And and I, I the first time I tried to make it, I remembered all the ingredients. Um, and then the chef and me added a few more things, you know, you got, you got to add a few more, things. <laughs> but I, but I kept it, but I kept it in memory uh, of, of how she used to make it. And it's, and for me, that's real comfort food. For example, my father, the very first dish he's ever made was spaghetti and hot dogs. Um, and back then he was using Vienna sausage um, for hot dogs. That comes from his maternal family, his maternal family that, that's from Italy. Funny thing. And Haitians tend to eat spaghetti and hot dogs for breakfast, not lunch, not dinner, but for breakfast. So spaghetti and hot dog is sort of my, is sort of my comfort food as well. Uh, whenever I, I, I want to, I want to remember what it was like to be to be a young man. Um, that's why I make. Um, those are the things that make me feel that make me feel happy and and bring me back to to an amazing childhood that I had. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's interesting because every time I've spent time with chefs and got to know them and and you ask them for favorite food, it always goes back to that comfort food, you know, the very simple, the basic food that they have um, the most joy in. And then you, and then you then take it to another level to then, you know, feed others. So quick question with your casserole, do you still use the Campbell soup or are you making? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. (laughs) You gotta, you gotta use the Campbell. You gotta use the Campbell soup. Yep. Um, But what I do is I mix, for example, um, I'll add fresh mushrooms to that and Mm -hmm. sauteed onions um, mix that up with the, with the Campbell, with the Campbell cream of mushroom soup. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll make a little, I'll, I'll add a little, you know, from scratch bechamel to go with that, uh, to take it to that next level, but it still remains a very simple to the point, um, dish. Mm-hmm. And, and every time I sit down to eat it, it's like, it's like, wow. I remember being 12 years old in my grandmother's kitchen, spending summer with her in New York, she used to make this at least once a week. So, mm-hmm. and, and and it was one of my favorites, you know, a, until this day. I love that so much. And I, I just feel so connected to you right now, Chef Stefan, <laughs> I have to tell you. Um, I, I do have a question about, you know, Haitian cuisine. When I think of cuisines, you know, like let's use Creole as an example, Mm -hmm. you know, Creole Mm -hmm. has that holy trinity, like that's in every single dish, like, you know, it's onion, it's that green pepper, it's celery, and then typically just a lot of butter. Is there um, some staples that are typically used in a lot of Haitian cuisine? So let me first say that Creole, Creole cuisine is a, is a very wide, it's, it's a very wide box. Um, if I can use that word. Creole cuisine starts um, in uh, the French-speaking Antilles. So you have Haiti, you have 
Guadeloupe, you have Martinique, you have Dominica. Um, all of these are Creole cuisines. And then you have the Latin Caribbean, which is Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, um, Cuba is also Creole. And then you also have places like Brazil. And, and Creole means basically this. It's very African influenced with somewhere else, especially European um, uh, um, mixed with mixed with with the African influence. That's what creates Creole cuisine. But when we talk about Creole cuisine in, in, in the United States, we don't talk about these places. We, we, we think and we, we tend to go towards Louisiana. What a lot of people don't understand, don't know as well is that there's a huge African influence in Louisiana as well, especially in NOLA. Uh, a lot of Haitians left Haiti to migrate to, 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 to New Orleans as well. So that's what sort of created the Creole uh, uh, combination. Now there in New, in New Orleans, you have Creole and Cajun. So Cajun is more um, the, the, German, the German influence, um, very uh, peasants who came, who came to, to, to Louisiana. And that's where you find a lot of the sausages that are involved in, 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 in Louisiana Creole cuisine, all of that came from the Germans. So yes, the, the Holy Trinity, depending on where you go, slightly sort of changes, right? So the Holy Trinity, and in, in when we talk about Holy Trinity, we talk about onions, celery, and carrots, which is also called mirepoix, funny thing. If you go to uh, the Latin side of Creole cuisine, uh, peppers, onions are, are part of that Holy Trinity. Um, in Haiti, the Holy Trinity stays the same, but instead of, uh, instead of onions, we use leeks. The variance depends on the influence. So, and then of course, um, you know, uh, Spanish cuisine uses a lot of peppers, uses a lot of onions. So, so that's where you get that influence. And then in French cuisine, of course, mirepoix, carrots, celery, onions that we also use in Haiti. Um, but I will tend to use, for example, leeks instead of onions. And then, um, cel for example, in, in Haiti, the celery, you know, when you take a whole branch of celery, we, we tend to use the leaves more than we use the, the rest of the celery. It, it really depends on, on, on sort of where you go. Yeah. There's so much flavor though, in the leaves, you know, um, when you cook with them. Absolutely. 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 And then, um, you know, in, in Latin, in the Latin Creole, you find what you call sofrito. Sofrito. So, so sofrito is included. The Holy Trinity is included in sofrito. And they make almost almost like a paste um, that they can use in multiple different uh, uh, in in various different dishes. We have something very similar. Ours is called a piece, but it but uh, our a piece is a little more. There's a little bit more ingredients. So in our a piece, you're gonna find you're gonna find leeks, you're gonna find garlic, you're gonna find thyme, you're gonna find cloves, you're gonna find chives. So it's a mix blended of, of, of different 
herbs and, and aromatics, which, and then, and then if you're, so we do, depending on where you go in Haiti as well, that recipe may change a little bit. I like to, I like to add uh, sour orange to my apis and, and scotch bonnet, but there are places where they won't use the sour orange. So they'll do it when they're doing meats, they'll put the sour orange in. And when they're doing cooking rice or some other dishes, they'll take out the sour orange because they don't want the acidity. You know, very interesting. Very interesting that, that even from region to region in Haiti, you're going to find different techniques and different ways that they prepare uh, even the same dishes. Yeah, I can see that. And, and are, what about the spices? What kind of, are you more herbs or, or spices? Are there anything specific to? Um, our spices tend to be cloves, garlic, mm-hmm. um, uh, obviously sea salt is, a, is, a, is a big deal. Um, but we tend to use a lot of fresh, uh, ingredients to make our apice. So, our blend of spices is really um, the basis for um, all of our cooking. The same way that in Spanish Creole, sofrito is like the basis. The sofrito is like the the beginning of everything. So mm-hmm. our apice is exactly is is similar to that. Very nice. And do you guys? What about? Uh, it- is there a lot of meat in your cuisine or, or more fish driven? I know that there's definitely a lot of seafood. Well, remember that meats were brought to, to the new world by the Spaniards and the French. So there was no meats in, in those islands. The, mm-hmm. the, 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 the base of, of, of their diets, starting with the Tainos, were a lot of fish and then vegetables and roots vegetable that were grown on the island. So uh, meats only came later, but you uh, the, 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 major, the big majority of dishes in Haiti tend to, tend to stay on the seafood side. And then, but you still have, for example, um, a very popular dish that's also in African, African-American cuisine here, which is liver and onions. Uh, we, we love having that for breakfast in Haiti. Um, our soups, our, our, our soup today has, has beef in it or beef bones. Um, so yes, we, we have plenty of meat dishes, but uh, the majority of our cuisine is still, um, the sea. I mean, we're, we're surrounded by water. So you have to imagine that uh, many localities, uh, have, have more of a seafood diet, have more of a seafood diet than, than, than a, uh, than a meat diet. Got it. Can you tell us how Haitian food plays a role in the Haitian culture? Oh, absolutely. Thank um, you. Absolutely. Um, I think, I think Haitian food is in, well, food in general is, is very, you know, there's a saying that if tell me what you eat and I'll tell you where you're from. Right. So a food in general itself is impregnated within culture. You can't talk about anybody's culture without talking about their food ways. Um, in Haiti, in particular, a lot of the a lot of certain dishes are not only culturally relate, related, but they're also historically related. For example, 
you want to talk about um, uh, our pumpkin soup, which which we call sujumu, which has been called also called liberty soup. That that soup was created by uh, the first empress of Haiti uh, to celebrate January first, which is the day of proclamation of our independence. So that soup is not only connected um, to us historically, but it's also connected to us culturally. Um, and it's an important dish in every household. January 1st, everybody has to have pumpkin soup. So, and I think, you know, once you start to understand sort of the mix, the mixology of the cultural tapestry that we have in Haiti from not only from the from our African ancestry, but also from everybody that's sort of migrated to the island, you understand that you cannot talk about uh, being Haitian without talking about some very specific dishes. Yeah, that's, I think that's something that's so beautiful about food and culture is that it all intertwines specifically um, to, you know, that upbringing and, and that history. Tell us, um, you know, the last time we spoke, when we first met, you know, you shared a lot about kind of what you were doing. And it was a different time. I actually remember at that time, you were kind of like, okay, you know, we're in the middle of COVID. Things have just kind of fallen off the cliff. Everybody's pivoting. Everybody's changing. And I know you were in a place where you were kind of, you know, about to start off a, a new direction in your career, but you did share with us um, some work that you had done for up and coming kids, I believe, that wanted to get into culinary. Uh, could you share some of that with us? Well, in 2009, after a, a, a very uh, a life-changing operation, if you will, um, I decided to go home. I decided to go back to Haiti uh, 23 years later. When a friend told me, why don't you go home? And I looked at him and I'm like, I'm all, I am home. I'm in New York. This is my home. He's like, no, 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 no. I don't mean here. I mean, go home to your mom. Go, go, go get yourself taken care of. Go, go reconnect with, with where you're from. And, um, and then a couple months later, in January 10th, uh, the earthquake happened, very devastating earthquake, which not only destroyed a, 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 good, a good part of the capital and in surrounding cities, but um, killed over 300,000 people. Later, later in that year, uh, as, I, as, I, as I started to, to reassimilate myself, you know, after the earthquake, everything was complicated. Um, reassimilate myself into you know, activities that I wanted to do or uh, connections that I wanted to make. Um, one of the things that I did is I walked in into one of, one of the very few culinary school, hospitality school uh, in the country. And it hit me like a brick. I mean, absolutely hit me like a brick. I walked into that school. This, this was a school, first of all, the, 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 the original building of that school was destroyed. So they had to, they, so the displacement of L, the whole school and the student was done in, in a, in another building that I, you know, already was not up to par for, for hospitality and culinary school. They had one, one food lab. And I walked in into that lab. That lab was so hot. Um, you could literally cook an egg um, on, on the table. 
but I saw a bunch of kids all in whites um, and very attentive to what the, 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 the instructor was, was sharing with them. But I saw them working with absolutely subpar equipment, plastic cutting boards, knives that you would buy at the street market, not professional stuff. I sort of broke down that day. Um, tears, tears came out of my eyes and I said, that's not right. Um, you know, being a graduate of Johnson & Wales, one of the top culinary schools in the United States, you know, I could weigh the difference. I could say, well, I had all of this, I had this and I had that, and they don't have any of that. How can they, how can we call that a culinary school? And, you know, that day I made, I made myself a promise, but I also made a promise um, that whatever I did needed to be a major contribution, not only to, to, to the food and beverage space in Haiti, but also to these kids. I needed to change the whole perspective of the, food, uh, of the culinary world in Haiti. So I dedicated myself to doing just that. So in 2011, I launched the very first food and wine festival in Haiti. And from that point on, part of the, part of the proceeds of the festival went into investing in those culinary programs and investing into these kids. And, and, and I wanted to change that whole mindset, that whole perspective. I wanted to, I wanted to make an impact. Um, so everything that I've done from that point has to have, part of it has to, has to go back to continuing to make that impact in Haiti. So all of my work, all of my dedication, uh, whether it's the food festival in, in Haiti, whether it's me traveling and doing events uh, around the around the country, around the world, part of that work has to has to be about uh, not only sharing the story, telling the story, but finding ways to uh, contribute and 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 create change. That's so beautiful. Thank you for for doing that. Thank you for being an ambassador for the Haitian people, but especially for investing part of yourself into others. It's just such a beautiful thing that you're doing for the country that you that you came from. You know, it's amazing. Can you tell us more about the Haiti Food Festival? I know that during COVID, everything stopped. Can you maybe talk about <laughs> what the future looks like for this festival? Oh, absolutely. Um, we started the festival in 2011 and it was an instant, instant success, instant, instant hit. Um, and since then, we've grown that festival exponentially. We've invited over 120 um, chefs around the world to come and experience not only the festival, but be part of it, contribute to it, um, but also to experience Haiti. I think one of the things that, is, that, that are important is that the narrative about Haiti has especially been uh, somewhat negative. Um, especially in the media. And um, what better way to change people's mind is to invite chefs to, to this country and for them to see something different and then go back and say, hey, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, so that festival has grown exponentially. We've invited over 120 chefs. Uh, many of them have come back at, 
at at very at the very least twice. And um, you know, in 2019, September of 2019, um, right before right before the pandemic, I had to cancel that year because the country was going through uh, major political turmoil. And then uh, COVID happened. And in 2020, not being able to do the festival, 2021, still not being able to do the festival because of COVID. So this is three years that we've been unable to uh, produce this event. My partners called me the other day and go uh, say, "Are are we giving up on this? And I said, we can't. To whom much is given, much is expected. When you have been given so many blessed, so much blessings, when you have been given the mental of, of creating change and creating impact, you, you, have, you have now a responsibility. And, and our responsibility is not to give up. Our responsibility is not to turn our backs and say, you know what, we've done this, but um, there's no buts. We got to keep, we got to keep, we got to keep hope in mind that, you know, just like everything else, this will pass over and we'll be able to get this festival started again and, and give all these young people an opportunity, um, not only to be part of it, but, but, but also you're giving them hope. Um, you're giving them a future to look up to. And that's very important. And, you know, uh, it's funny, you know, I know the, uh, the South Beach uh, uh, Wine and Food Festival happened this year. Look at the impact that this festival has had on not only the food and beverage industry, but on students. You are raising money to help um, finance culinary and hospitality education. That's an important thing. Yep. So it's not just about it's not just about producing a festival. The, the impact and the ripple effect that this festival has on 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 others is ultimately the reason why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. It's not about the money. It's not about it's not about any of that. It's 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 about the impact. Mm-hmm. So it's important that we continue to do to 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 not only keep our heads up but to continue to plan and continue to push forward. Because if we give up, then what are we telling everybody else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think you're right. You, that's not an option to give up, right? It's it's just more about when, um, especially with these young you know, future chefs and future professionals that rely on that support uh, to give them the training, to give them the experience and the education that they need so that they can continue doing the work that you're doing and sharing the culture of Haitian cuisine and, and be able to put their own creativity into it. And I think that that's really important. And, you know, as you mentioned, the South Beach Wine and Food Festival, that's what they do every year and and all the proceeds go to um, the FIU Chaplain School of Hospitality. But, you know, I do genuinely believe that, you know, on another level, you know, the people in Haiti and the young kids in Haiti need that support just as much, if not more. Right. And um, if any of our listeners wanted to help bring this to life, maybe 2022, if that's something in the works, you know, what what's the plan? How can people help and get involved? Well, the, the first thing that that I look at when 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 I get an opportunity to speak about this 
is creating partnerships. Um, it's really not about just dollars and cents. It costs $2,000 a year to send a, a young hopeful to culinary hospitality school for a two-year program. So you're talking about 4000 which is not even uh, 5% of what it costs to go to school here in the United States. If I'm able to help one student, if I'm able to help five students and offer them not only a scholarship, uh, pay for their, for their, for their, for, for their two-year program, but give them um, uh, equipment, give them knives, give them uh, uh, chef's uniforms, it's an amazing thing. One of the one of the people that 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 I have become friends with and ha, has become not only a friend but but such a friend to Haiti is Chef Jose Andres. Um, he came to Haiti and actually started a culinary program. WCK has a very short uh, culinary program that they do in Haiti. It's a six months program, but it prepares those kids ready to step in into the into the industry. Good knife skills good understanding of the basics, and they're able to get in uh, after six months. But it still costs money to send, to send these kids to school. So we're talking about 100,000 gourds, which is not even, that's less than $1,000. And WCK pick up, picks up the rest. Um, there is that. And then um, I'm looking for partnerships to where those kids who have finished their program, could come and do, um, could either come and continue their studies to have a, an associate degree or a bachelor's degree, or or come to do an internship. So these are the partnerships that I'm looking for. Um, these are the partnerships that I'm that I'm that I look to create when I get a chance to talk about you know the work that I've that I, that I've that I started ten years ago, um, and that I would like to continue doing, and then eventually. My biggest dreams is to is to actually open a real culinary school, culinary program in Haiti with multiple labs, a pastry lab, a chef's lab, where they can really get their hands on and, and really develop their skills as a professional. If I can get to, if I can get to that, I, I think that would be the, the the mark of my career. Nothing that I've done as a chef for twenty for twenty two years would be bigger than that. So for me, creating impact and changing lives is, is, is who I am, is, is what I am today. And that's beautiful and it's wonderful. But when you meet these students, when you meet these kids, do you see a part of you in them? Absolutely. I, I'm going to tell you a story. I remember I did an event at the U.S. Embassy for the very first time. It was like six, six or seven years ago. And... The ambassador, the ambassador said to me, Stefan, I know I can't pay you for all of these amazing events that you just did. And as a matter of fact, that was the very first time I met Jose Andres as well. I met him in Haiti and then we did this event together at the US, at the Haitian uh, embassy in, in Washington, DC. And he asked me, what can I do for you? And I said, ambassador, give me 30 or 40 knife kits. And it ended up costing about $1,500. Each knife kit was like 50 bucks. But I went down to Haiti with 20 or 30 knife kits. I even gave some to teachers who had never had a knife kit in their professional career. And the response on their faces 
the response, the, the pride that I saw of these, of these graduating kids, because we gave every graduate a chef, a, a chef kit, was priceless, priceless. And I have some of these kids who come to me and, and say, you inspire me. That is the greatest gift in the world. You know, I had a teacher at, at, at Johnson and Wales who told me, your greatest accomplishment is not what you're going to do as a professional. It's the impact that you have on others. I think that's something we all learn and sometimes later than earlier in your life, right? When you're really working hard to do everything you can for yourself. And then there's a shift where it's about what you can do for others. And I think this tumultuous time that we've all been in, you know, with COVID and then just the social injustice uprising and people really kind of standing out for social justice, you know, and, and uniting in that, I think has had this kind of profound moment for a lot of people. And I know you've been doing a lot of work, you know, way, and a lot of people have been doing a lot of work way before this time, but how is, how has that impacted you and kind of your perspective on where we've been, the challenges with kind of the social injustice it coming to arise over this past year and then what that future looks like. I'd love to know what, what you think. Well, first growing up in Haiti and in, in somewhat a very poor country and still a poor country, social injustice is something I see every single day. Mm-hmm. It, it's part of the everyday lives of the majority of people who live in Haiti. 80% of, of Haitians live under... Um, and you're talking about poverty. Poverty in the U.S. is $20,000 a year. Poverty in Haiti is $5 a day. So you want to talk about poverty and social injustice, I saw it every day. But it, it hit me in my gut when things got so bad in September that I could not do the thing that I loved the most. And it's not cooking. It's not being a, a chef in parentheses, if you want to call it celebrity chef, it was about this festival. It was about everything that came with this festival. The connections that I, that I, that I have with chefs all over the world, the connection that I have with these kids, the connection that I have with Haiti, being, to, being a, not only a culinary ambassador, but an ambassador for Haiti. And it hit me in the gut. And then COVID happened I came, to, I came back to the U.S. To do, to do a residency with one of my clients, a restaurant that I help open in, in New Jersey called First Republic. And three months later, they're all looking at me and go, chef, we can't continue. And for two weeks, I sat on the, I woke up, sat on the edge of my bed and got up only to go to, to, to the restroom. I was not eating. I was depressed. I was in full blown depression. And my roommate came to me and said, bro, you're such an amazing guy. You gotta get off your butt. You got to get up. And my roommate and our our tenant upstairs came up with the idea of challenging me, doing a live, 
and challenging me with what they call the COVID survival kit. So they would put a bunch of ingredients in front of me and said, why don't you cook for us? That is what got me out of bed. I cried every day. I was in panic mode because I didn't know what I was going to do. I'm dealing with health issues. I've been dealing with health issues since March of 2019. My legs are always in pain. I wake up with pain. I go to sleep in pain. So on top of that, I was panicking. I was literally panicking. What am I going to do? How am I going to survive? I moved back to the U.S. to work, and now work is gone. And cooking, again, was my solace. Being a chef and, and loving being in that kitchen was my solace. It got me out of my rut. I started to pivot, uh, not only doing stuff on, on uh, virtually, but I, was, I started to develop my, 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 my products. I started a, a project that I had in mind forever, which was to start a, a chef jacket and apron line um, with Haiti in mind. The jackets and the aprons are manufactured in Haiti and they're hand-painted by Haitian artists. And that project was supposed to be a feeding tube also for what I do in Haiti and supporting young hopefuls in the culinary and hospitality world. And I started with 12 aprons, a couple jackets, sold the aprons in a matter of three days. And I said, oh, I got something here. So I, I redesigned the aprons a little bit and, and, and did some enhancements. And now we just relaunched the second, the second batch of aprons a couple of days ago. Yeah, I saw them. I saw them all over social on Instagram. What is your handle again? At, on at, at Haitian Chef. At Haitian Chef. So any of our listeners that want to follow, they are beautiful, colorful, aprons. And I just love that authentic art and painting on it. And I just love it even more that they're made in Haiti. Absolutely. They're, they're made and manufactured in Haiti by Haitian workers. I have a partnership with a manufacturer in Haiti who does a lot of clothing herself with, with the hand-painted themes on, her, on the clothings. So her and I got together and we launched the apron line. So uh, we have three beautiful color. We have three beautiful aprons, different colors. We have a black, a Siamese, which is sort of an off-white, and then we have the Carabella blue, and hand painted by artists. Beautiful, beautiful paintings. Beautiful theme on each on each. Uh, they're one of a kind, and the jackets are the same. So you know, any chef, anybody who loves to cook, who would love to look their best uh, while doing so, you know, that's one of the projects that I got to launch. Um, I did a partnership with another friend of mine who is also a huge influencer and a change maker. He, he launched the very first tourism summit in Haiti hmm. uh, a couple of years ago, oh. and we launched a coffee company together. Oh, wow. Cool. So we have a, co- we have a coffee company called Sonia Coffee. The coffee is directly from Haiti. And um, now it's packaged and ready to be sold in the U.S. So I've got my hands in in, <laughs> in a couple of pots. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Chef Stefan, Julian, I cannot wait to see what you do next. Really uplifting the whole Haitian community, the culture. 
And I, you know, want to thank you on behalf of Julie and I for sharing your story, your energy, my goodness, and just want to wish you, you know, some great health and a lot of peace. Thank you so much for being well, on our show. Th- thank you for having me. And, and I'm going to put it out there while I'm, while I have the chance. My, my next big wish is to be at the South Beach Food and Wine. I've been dreaming about being part of this event for forever. And what I would love to see happen is that we do an actual mini Haitian, um, sort of a mini village with five or six Haitian chefs and supported by uh, one of the best rooms in the world, which is Baba Kour. And to have that event mm-hmm. at South Beach Food and Wine in 2022. If I can accomplish that, that will be the the next biggest thing that I've done since I did the Haitian dinner at the James Beard house with eight chefs Mm. uh, in New York city three, four years ago. Well, I think we need to continue that conversation (laughs) and we will do whatever we can to put you in the right contact with the right people, because I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, Southern Glazers was founded here in Miami. Miami is probably one of the biggest Haitian populations outside of Haiti. And it is our backyard. It is um, such a big part of this community. And I 100% agree with you that there should be um, that representation and whatever we can do to help that conversation continue. I would love to see that myself in 2022. Let me say that I'm already grateful for 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 your words. Um, I can't thank you guys enough for allowing me to be part of this of the show. Uh, thank you for uh, giving me an opportunity to tell my story. Haiti is what I'm passionate about, um, yeah. and and that's why I took the mentor of the and, and the name of Haitian Chef. Mm-hmm. Um, Haitian Chef was born when I went back to Haiti, and so I will continue to to rep it, to, to represent it to the best of my ability and to, and to show people that we have so much more to offer than just what the little that they know about it. Mm-hmm. Well, we are excited to continue, uh, see you continue that journey and so happy to be, you know, a new friend of yours and we are here and I'm sure this will just be, you know, one of the many conversations we continue to have. So thank you so much for, for sharing with us today. Thank you to both of you for having me. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!